Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness. Five, four, three, two, one. From inside the warehouse at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, it is the Masson All Access Podcast. Paul Mancano, joined by Tim Leonard here. It's Tim. Uh, we are going a little shorthanded here. I am producing this show while we are recording it, so it may get a little bumpy for those watching. But desperate times call for desperate measures because we got a lot of breaking news to discuss on this podcast, Tim. Yeah, you called it, Paul. Kyle Stowers getting the call back up. You were the one that said yesterday to me off air that on Friday you feel like this is the day for Kyle Stowers. This is the time he's going to get the call. Your instincts were right, and boy, it came, and a lot of other roster moves came as well today. It did. Kyle Stowers is, of course, the headliner, and we are going to spend the bulk of this podcast live on Facebook and on YouTube discussing Stowers, but several other roster moves were made, including... Brett Phillips, designated for assignment, made sense because he opened up the roster spot for Kyle Stowers, both on the 40-man and on the 26-man roster. You also look at Taryn Vavra, who is headed to the paternity list. We knew his wife was due, so that's exciting news for him. In the meantime, Richie Martin gets recalled to replace Vavra in the infield. And then a couple relievers swap. Logan Gillespie goes back down to AAA, and then we see Nick Vespi is recalled. Have I missed anything, Tim? No, I think you got it all. <laughs> Amazingly. Brett Phillips, DFA, of course, makes sense. I think we expected that corresponding move because you weren't going to ever have six outfielders up in the big leagues, and that was sort of the one question mark is when the trade deadline happened, we thought initially it might be freeing up space for Kyle Stowers. They instead added Brett Phillips, and I think that makes sense, even though it's sort of weird that he was only here for a short amount of time. I think he had to send down an outfielder, and he's the logical one. Yeah, and we'll discuss exactly kind of looking back on his very short tenure for the Orioles and why the Orioles made that move and then what it says about the move now a couple weeks later, the fact that he is now out of the organization. But first off, Tim, the reason that I predicted that Kyle Stowers was going to get the call now is that the Orioles offensively were trending downward. They did score seven runs in the first game of their series in Toronto, but the game before that against the Rays, they really struggled offensively. Of course, they almost got perfect gamed. And they also then on Tuesday scored just four runs and got a couple back-to-back homers, and they just barely beat the Blue Jays four to two. And then in game three, they struggled through the first several innings again and did not have a single base runner through the first five innings in the series finale uh, in Toronto. And then in the, Cubs game yesterday against the Cubs they struggled as well offensively they had just two runs scored and they lost that game and it just felt like this offense could not generate the kind of firepower that they needed yes the pitching was getting them quite a lot of wins but look this Orioles team is five and five in their last 10 games they are not hitting nearly as many homers say what you want about the left field wall they haven't been hitting as many homers on the road as they should have been Some of their better offensive players right now in Austin Hayes and Ryan Mountcastle are struggling. They needed some kind of injection of life. And I think that, yes, Kyle Stowers is a rookie and he's only 24 years old, so you can't expect too much of him. But perhaps this is the shot in the arm that the Orioles needed to get their offense back on track. 
Exactly. It comes at a much needed time. You know, they're two and a half games back now in the wild card chase. And weirdly, that feels like a lot of games, even though it's amazing that the Orioles are even in the conversation. It's all happened so quickly here. But I agree wholeheartedly with you. They needed some injection of life into the offense. They had six hits yesterday, but only two of them were extra base hits. And even going through the box score this morning, you're like, wow, they actually had six hits. It didn't even feel like they got to six hits yesterday. One of them was the triple from Cedric Mullins. One of them was a double from Austin Hayes, but he's been struggling. And, you know, Kyle Stowers has continued to just check every box pretty much that he needed to check at AAA. We've been waiting for him to come back up. I said last time I was on the podcast with Brendan Mortensen that it just didn't feel right that Kyle Stowers would come up in the middle of the season He'd fare okay. He had that double in the Toronto series, play a couple games, go back down to AAA, continue to, if anything, hit even better in AAA, and then not make his way back up. That just didn't make sense. It felt like a move was coming. It just sort of was delayed, I think, by the Brett Phillips move at the trade deadline, but now they get some more offense into their lineup here. And regardless of how good Kyle Stowers is going to be, he's a power bat. He's a guy that you can bring off the bench that just has a little more pop than they've had on their bench recently. And Brett Phillips, the move itself, when the Orioles first acquired him, remember it was minutes before the trade deadline back on August 2nd. And when the move was made, there was still some time during which the Orioles could make yet another move. And we thought perhaps you bring in one infielder in Brett Phillips, not only did they just pick him up off waivers, they traded for him as well. Again, they gave, just gave the Rays cash, so it's not like they gave up a whole lot of assets to get him. But the fact that they were giving up anything for him meant that they clearly valued him. So you thought, okay, they bring in an outfielder in Brett Phillips. Perhaps they're sending another outfielder out. Perhaps Anthony Santander is about to be dealt. He wasn't. And so then you thought, well, now the Orioles already have a logjam a little bit in the outfield because they have... Hayes, Mullins, Santander as their everyday three. They have Ryan McKenna, who is a speedy outfielder who can play center, who can pinch hit or pinch run as needed. And then you have Taron Vavra, who right. can fill in in one of the corner spots if needed. To add another outfielder to that mix felt a little bit unnecessary, especially considering what Kyle Stowers was doing in AAA. So instead of clearing out some space during the trade deadline in the outfield, the Orioles, if anything made it more crowded. And so this move comes two weeks after that time during which the Orioles had about as crowded an outfield as they could possibly get. And the off, and the outfield, frankly, while it was deep, was not producing offensively nearly as much as it should have been. So Brett Phillips being replaced by Kyle Stowers, again, we don't know what to expect from a 24-year-old. I think it's a little overstated to expect, okay, you're going to call up a 24-year-old outfielder who, yes, has been mashing the ball in AAA. The Orioles are doing this to try to make the playoffs. I think that they think he will help somewhat, but it can't, in theory, be much worse, offensively at least, than what Brett Phillips was already giving you. And it's worth taking the risk of getting this young guy the reps now over the last six weeks of the season then seeing a veteran continue to struggle offensively and maybe give you a little bit of juice off the bench as a defensive or base running replacement. And, you know, as you were saying that, Paul, perhaps they just added Brett Phillips with that in mind, that they were still actively trying to trade someone else before the deadline, and maybe it just didn't come to fruition. We'll probably never know the answer to that, but they probably viewed Brett Phillips as giving them more options, and then maybe when a trade didn't happen, that's when we were puzzled because it did feel like, it was a move to set up another move, and that other move didn't come. 
Brett Phillips is a lefty bat, so it makes sense that if you're going to bring up Kyle Stowers, they kind of do the same thing. I know Phillips has a little more locker room presence. He's more of a veteran, and he's probably a better defender. He is probably a better defender than Kyle Stowers right now, at least. So maybe they viewed Brett Phillips as just a holdover to kind of keep the locker room in order and add another locker room presence after trading away a couple key locker room guys at the deadline. Whatever the case is, I think we got to the right point here where Kyle Stowers is a guy that can really help out this team make a playoff push. We saw him for a brief time, but what he has continued to do at AAA since he went back down after coming up for that Toronto series is even more encouraging. And the strikeout numbers are a little bit concerning, but if anything, they've gotten better this season. That's the big thing for him is going to be avoiding the swing and miss when he comes up here. But, you know, everyone has been really hard on the lineups recently and questioning some of Brandon Hyde's lineup moves, it feels like, over the Twittersphere a little bit. A lot of that has just been the bench hasn't had a lot of options for Brandon Hyde to work with. Bringing up Kyle Stowers gives you more options. Unfortunately, Taron Vavra does go back down, but Richie Martin we can get into later is another guy that fared pretty well when he came up early this year. So you're just adding some more offensive life to this bench so that when guys do need to take off days or you do need to shuffle things around, there's a little bit more punch to the lineup. Yeah, I mean, Taron Vavra, ideally, you would think, it's hard to say with a personal issue, but not an issue, a personal matter. Hopefully it's all good news <laughs> right. on that front. Uh, paternity list probably going to be out just a few days, so you do lose that. But I think that Kyle Stowers, once Taron Vavra returns, I don't think that Kyle Stowers and Taron Vavra moves are related no. whatsoever, even though Vavra himself uh, can play in the corner outfield. But again, I think this is also a conversation that you and Brendan had on the last podcast about Gunnar Henderson as well. And I think it was said by either you or Brendan, that if they bring up Gunnar Henderson and or Kyle Stowers, it's clear that they're making this move to try to make a final push for the postseason. And yes, I do think the Orioles expect Kyle Stowers to help. I think that they expect him to put up better numbers than Brett Phillips in his eight games, hitting 118 with the 353 OPS, because those that's a very low bar to clear. But also, this is a move made for the future as well. Because you're looking forward to 2023 and saying, what is our outfield going to look like at that point? And you have Cedric Mullins already locked in. You have Anthony Santander, who could be traded in the offseason, could stick around if the Orioles decide that it's not worth sending him out of town. You have Austin Hayes, who you thought at the beginning of the season was going to be an everyday piece, was a potential all-star. But the recent struggles that he has had have certainly cast some doubt on his future long-term. Again, I think he'll probably get short-term opportunities in 2023 and beyond. But you have to start seeing what you have in some of these pieces. And Kyle Stowers had seemingly checked every single box at AAA Norfolk. The one thing you could say about Gunnar Henderson is that he's still young, is that he still started the season at AA Bowie. This is his first year in AAA Norfolk, and he hasn't even gotten the full year here. Kyle Stowers has been in Norfolk for the entire season. He got called up to Norfolk at the end of last year. So he has had a massive sample size of over 80 games in AAA during which he has proven himself to be ready for the next step. So if anything, you could say, all right, Gunnar Henderson, maybe we'll wait on him simply because he's 21 years old. Stowers is 24. This rebuild is so far ahead of schedule, I think you could say. They're way better this year than we thought they would be, or maybe even people within the team thought they would be. 
So as things continue to get better and as the roster continues to get younger and better, you got to see what you have in especially some of these older prospects who it's not like you're rushing him through the system. He has proven himself ready for the big leagues in what he's done at AAA Norfolk. So I think you have to get a head start now on and see what you have in Kyle Stowers before you go into next season and just hand him the job on opening day and say, go get it, kid. And especially now, let's assume every prospect almost every prospect, with the exception of Ryan Mountcastle in 2020 when he hit 333, is going to have some struggles to start their big league career. Look at Adley Rutschman. Look at Julio Rodriguez. Both those guys are at the top of the American League Rookie of the Year voting. But both those guys started out their big league careers under very poor circumstances, and they struggled to get going, especially offensively. Kyle Stowers might not hit the ground running. He might be hitting 150 for the first three or four weeks, and fans might be a little bit frustrated. But hey, I would rather he do that now, learn from it, go into next season with an idea of what he needs to work on as he starts the season on the big league roster and as he breaks camp with the Orioles, and he can try to fix that for 2023 and beyond. Because you don't want to be in a situation in 2023 where you give him the everyday starting corner outfield job And you say, Kyle Stowers, go get it for your first taste of big league baseball, except for that one weekend in Toronto, and expect him to be phenomenal right out of the gate. And say he hits 150 for the first six weeks of next season, a season in which you're hoping to make the playoffs. The Orioles are going to be in liftoff mode. They're hoping to go for it next year. And Kyle Stowers, because he was so bad at the start of 2023, can't get things figured out in time. And he's struggling mentally, and it hurts the team in the win-loss column. I would rather the Orioles have those struggles now, and Kyle Stowers have that experience now, than wait until next year for him to get out of the gate. Right, and I think that's why when you have the case of Gunnar Henderson, you could at least make an argument on one side that, okay, maybe he is a little bit too young. He's young even for the AAA level. You could make a case potentially that you're rushing him, although Gunner has been putting up tremendous numbers as well. But you can't make that case with Kyle Stowers. 407 plate appearances at AAA Norfolk this year. He's 24 years old. He's checked every box like we're talking about at AAA. There's nothing more for him to prove at AAA. And also, when he came up in the Toronto series, he only went one for seven, but he did have that double He held his own. He looked fine. So he's already gotten that sort of jitter and and that experience out of the way a little bit. I think it's worst case scenario from here is Kyle Stowers struggles to hit. And and maybe that happens. Maybe he only hits 150 the rest of the year. But that's pretty much what Brett Phillips was hitting too. So there's no reason to hold him back because he's proven that he has done everything he can at AAA Norfolk. And at least now when you make this move, if he does struggle... Maybe that happens, and maybe the Orioles still don't make the playoffs, and maybe he's not a huge impact from this point on. But it doesn't hurt him because he got quality time that prepares him better for next year and gets him a little bit more experience. And at least you know what you had in him, and you don't go down without swinging, right? You There's no point in not making the move of sending up a Kyle Stowers especially. You can make kind of the same case for Gunnar Henderson, but when you're talking about a 24-year-old in Stowers who has played the amount of time he has at AAA and hit as consistently good as he has at AAA. Even if he does struggle, which might happen, it's very common. I think, in general, we sort of get a little too bullish on these prospects when they come up. Taron Vavra is a little bit different because, as we talked about in the last podcast, just a different type of player, a little more polished, and maybe his ceiling isn't quite as high as a Kyle Stowers, but he has a higher floor, just the way that he 
approaches uh, ABs and everything. Stowers has more swing and miss in his game, so does Gunnar Henderson. So if these guys get the call up, we know Stowers is, but if Henderson does as well, they might struggle a little bit, but at least you see what you have in them and you go for it in terms of making that playoff push. You won't know until you bring him up and you try. And like I said, worst case scenario, he struggles. He hits like 150, maybe gets some walks for you. That's still probably just as good as what Brett Phillips was doing at the plate. Maybe not quite as good defensively or in the locker room, but it still helps him out for next year. And even if he does poorly, it still probably gives the Orioles bench a little bit more of a pop. And like you said, going down swinging is the idea here. You want to be able to exhaust all options because if what you have isn't working, you have to at least give one of these young guys a try in order to make it work. Because if Brett Phillips continued to struggle and you didn't make the playoffs because in part, Brett Phillips that you brought in at the trade deadline, you thought his veteran presence would help more than a young Kyle Stowers, he, they were they certainly opened themselves up to criticism. Let's be honest. Yes, and a sure. lot of fans, I think, could say, Kyle Stowers could have helped you. This is a team that could have benefited from having a power-hitting left-handed outfielder off the bench or inserted into the lineup in certain instances like the Orioles uh, probably will use him. And I think the same could be said for Gunnar Henderson. Maybe not to the same extent because he's 21 years old again and a little bit farther away, but it's worth the try here. And if the Orioles doing this now, if it doesn't work out, at the very least, you can say we tried and we got him big league experience and we're going to be better next year because we gave this guy a shot. Brett Phillips did not have that kind of ceiling. And it frankly was a setback for Stowers and some of the other guys in this system that Phillips was getting playing time over them because he was hurting the team offensively. Yes, great clubhouse presence, but also look, there's, who's to say Kyle Stowers isn't going to be a good clubhouse presence as well? Certainly, he won't have the veteran savvy that Brett Phillips does, and he's not as big a name nationwide, perhaps, as Brett Phillips, who's played in the World Series. But Kyle Stowers, by all accounts, is a good guy. He plays great. He plays hard from everything that we've heard. Our interactions from the media side have been great with him. So, yeah, he, he won't have the veteran savvy that Brett Phillips has, but that probably doesn't matter as much as what he's going to bring you offensively or what the Orioles hope he's going to bring you offensively. So I think that this move is just better long-term and it's better short-term as they set Kyle Stowers up for the last six weeks of the season and for next year. Yeah, he's also trending in the right direction and this team has a vibe to it right now and an atmosphere in the clubhouse that is something that is probably beneficial for a young player, right? You're joining into a playoff chase Maybe there's a little bit of added pressure that comes with that, but I think you could also make a case that it's a good scenario for a young player to come up in because the culture is high, the vibe is high. Everyone is, you know, playing hard every single day right now. The Orioles are after something as a team that is a big goal that's ahead of them, and you can kind of join in on that. And we've seen other prospects in the past that come up in sort of this playoff September time period and succeed, I think, partially because of that. So he's going into a good situation. He's been hitting good recently. And the other key point that we brought up a couple times already, but I want to stress again, is this only helps you out more for next year by getting Kyle Stower some more time here. You brought up maybe they trade Anthony Santander in the offseason. Well, it's possible that you find out in the next couple weeks or a month here that closes out the regular season that Kyle Stowers is even better than you thought he was going to be. If you find that out, then you probably have a little bit more willingness to trade an Anthony Santander, or you just have a more better understanding of what you have going into next year. And let's face it, the Orioles are 
ahead of the curve right now. I think we all want them to make the playoffs, but they are keeping an eye on next year. Next year is a huge year for this team. This upcoming offseason is a huge year for Mike Elias and company. So this only increases their flexibility and their understanding of what they have at their disposal next year and just gives them a little bit more time to sort of teach Stowers things for next season and probably gives him a better chance of starting next season on the right foot after getting some time here at the major league level consistently. Yeah, so we know Stowers got that three-game sample size back in Toronto a couple months ago. He didn't have to be added to the 40-man roster at that point because he was a a COVID vaccination replacement, but he is added to the 40-man roster here. Brett Phillips leaves the 40-man roster, but the Orioles' 40-man roster was at 39 players, so they didn't get up to 40. They didn't really have to make a corresponding move on the 40-man roster. They just had to make one on the 26-man roster, but they decided, look, we don't need six outfielders here, so we might as well get rid of Brett Phillips at this point. He's not going to get the time, and he's a left-handed hitter. It's just too much of an overlap there. In terms of what Kyle Stowers has done so far this year, we saw a tiny, tiny taste of it in the big leagues last year, or in the big leagues, rather, in Toronto. But down in Norfolk, hitting 264, he had an 884 OPS. And in the time frame since he got sent back down to AAA, since he made his big league debut in Toronto, he's had 46 games. Since then, he's hit 275 with an 867 OPS. So he has been just as good offensively before the call-up or after the call-up as he has before the call-up. But, Tim, it's funny. We were talking, I remember, what, a couple months ago back when this team was not nearly as good as it is right now and saying, when you call Kyle Stowers up, you should try to give him everyday opportunities in a corner outfield because you want to see what you have in him now. Here's the thing. The Orioles have much more of a luxury of not having to do that right now. And the fact that they are playing for a playoff spot, an American League wildcard spot, means that he doesn't have to play every day. And frankly, I don't think that he should be in the lineup every single day. Just as how the Orioles have been using Taron Vavra, where they are picking his spots for him and determining which games he should start based off the pitching matchup, which games he should enter based off the changes that are made on the mound, according to the other team, based off which kind of which guys need a day off, I think that this is a good environment for Kyle Stowers because he's not going to be relied upon every single day. They're not going to have him in the lineup every day, similar to how Taron Vavra has not been in the lineup every day. Yes, I think he'll get his lion's share of opportunities, and I think that he will get plenty of opportunities as a pinch hitter, plenty of opportunities in the lineup, maybe starting three, four games a week in a corner outfield or as a designated hitter but he's not going to be in the lineup six times a week and he's not going to play nine innings every single time. And I think that's okay. Again, a couple months ago, I might've disagreed with that because the Orioles at this point, I was expecting them to be on their way to a 90 loss season and saying, you might as well play the kid because he's better than what you have. But the Orioles need to get these wins and it's better for the team if he doesn't start every day. And frankly, it might be better for him that he doesn't start every day because you want to make sure that he starts his career on the right foot He's helping and contributing to a team that is currently in a playoff race, and he's gaining confidence and learning what he needs to work on while learning from the big league clubhouse in Baltimore. Yeah, I expect them to handle him similar to how they handled Taron Vavra. Now, it's easy to forget maybe now, but Taron Vavra wasn't in the starting lineup for maybe three or four games when he got the call up. So I don't think that'll happen. I hope that doesn't happen, but... 
the way that Vavra was sort of worked in in good situations for him, put him in position to succeed. And I think he probably, if anything, over-exceeded expectations Vavra has since he's gotten the call up. So now they are more willing to put him in the lineup more. And I think that's how they will treat Kyle Stowers in this situation, in this role. It is sort of funny how we've gone totally from, oh yeah, they don't need to play him every day now. We don't need consistent time. But I think that just speaks to how ahead of the curve they are and how focused they are on winning this season. And if they do make a move for Gunnar Henderson and add him up later, maybe after the September roster expansion, that would also speak to, I think, three moves now where we've seen D.L. Hall, Kyle Stowers, and then a potential Gunnar Henderson move. And it seems like Michael Lass has said comments that he's at least having those conversations right now about Gunnar Henderson. And also they've played him at first base recently. You can take that for what it is. But it seems like they are pretty, you know, interested in trying to make a run here for the playoffs. They're trying to balance that line. And also with Stowers, you don't even really have to balance it because he is 24 and it will only benefit him for next year. But I I do agree with your overall point that you don't really have to play him every day right now. And I think that's a good situation to come up in. Yes, having consistent playing time is maybe the best scenario possible, but he's entering a comfortable situation, good locker room, good chemistry. He'll get put in against probably right-handed pitchers. Maybe he'll pinch hit occasionally to start out. Maybe he'll start three or four games a week, maybe less than that, kind of play that Terran Vavra role. And if he continues to hit, and if he does better than expected, he'll probably get more playing time. So it's kind of a low-stress situation for Kyle Stowers because what he has to do is just come in and be a guy like Brett Phillips that's coming off the bench every once in a while in a platoon situation and just hit. And Be like Ryan McKenna, who we've seen succeed in a similar type of role recently. Yeah, and I think that is a good comp comp for Stowers because as much as we talk about Stowers being a power-hitting corner outfield, he did play more games in center field for Norfolk this year than he did in either of the corner outfield spots. 44 games in center as compared to just 38 in right and 13 in left field. Now, part of that could have been dictated by Norfolk's roster in general, but also the Orioles clearly think that he can play center field. It is a little bit of an overlap. He probably won't be platooning with Mullins if Mullins struggles because Mullins has struggled a lot against left-handed pitchers, but again, Stowers is a lefty, so you're probably not going to insert him into a lineup in place of Mullins in those instances. But with the way that Austin Hayes has struggled, I think this gives the Orioles a very clear platoon situation if they want to use him this way. Because Santander is a switch hitter, and Santander has been the most consistent outfielder the Orioles have had from an offensive standpoint this year. So I think Santander will continue to get everyday starts in the lineup. But you could also have Santander as your designated hitter. And then you could put Kyle Stowers in right field in place of him. Or if, again, if Hayes continues to struggle now, I hope that he turns things around. I think the Orioles expect that he probably will. And look, Austin Hayes, who are we to doubt Austin Hayes in the month of September? I was going to say, yeah. He tears up (laughs) September for whatever reason. So if that happens again, the Orioles won't have a problem there. But I think that Stowers will be used again in a corner outfield when you have Santander as as the designated hitter or potentially platooning with Austin Hayes a little bit more. And the fact that he is a lefty and McKenna is a righty makes it so that those two are not too repetitive on the roster. I think that helps their ability to use both guys as well. Five outfielders is a whole lot to have on a big league roster. 
when you have a 26-man roster and it, when you consider Vavra who yeah, can right, play a corner say, outfield, yeah. you could have six outfielders on this roster. That's a lot to have. But we think that the Orioles can do it because they did it pretty well when they had Brett Phillips. So I think that they can pull it off again. They just are going to be especially matchup dependent. This team is going to be a lot uh, more like the Rays in terms of the way that they mix and match their lineup. Some days we might see them go with a lefty-heavy lineup. They might go with a righty-heavy lineup, depending on who they're facing. And frankly, this team has to win around the edges in order to stay in this wild card race because they are not. They don't have the talent to compete with some of the other teams in this race, like the Mariners, like the White Sox, like the Twins, or Cleveland. So they're going to have to rely on Brandon Hyde's ability to write a very solid lineup night in and night out. He's done a great job of it so far, and I think this addition of Kyle Stowers will only help him because he's an upgrade over Brett Phillips. Well, the other thing to consider here, Paul, too, is we know Taron Vavra has been working out at first base. It seems like he's been getting more comfortable there, taking ground balls and, and doing stuff before games. Maybe when Vavra comes back from the paternity list, you use him at first base occasionally when you're giving Mountcastle a rest or maybe Mountcastle slides to DH. In other words, the Vavra games that he was playing corner outfield could also still occasionally be Kyle Stowers' games if Vavra is playing first base as well. Right. And who knows, maybe Gunnar Henderson comes up later. So the point is that even when they made the move for trading Trey Mancini at the deadline, and remember, you go back two, three months when we had conversations about Kyle Stowers and Anthony Santander and how to best utilize both of them and, and when to call up Stowers and how to get him consistent playing time. Our conversation was mostly centered around Santander because he was an outfielder and we thought potentially he could be moved at the deadline. He wasn't. Trey Mancini was, and that gives more positional flexibility for Kyle Stowers just by Trey Mancini not being in the lineup. I'm not saying it's a good move or one way or the other. I'm just making the point that I think we underrated a little bit that even if it wasn't Anthony Santander at the deadline, just moving a player was going to resolve the issue. And all along, I kind of viewed Kyle Stowers as a good problem to have that will resolve itself. Here we are, they're making a playoff push, and it feels like the pieces are kind of coming together where not only is he ready to be called up and he can really help out this team that's struggling offensively, period, but he's a lefty bat in a lineup that could use a lefty outfielder that's been platooning a lot recently. So he fits into the jigsaw puzzle a little bit just based on his profile as a player and where he can play positionally for the Orioles and where they need guys to play positionally. Five outfielders is a lot, but I still think there will be plenty of time to play him when you consider that he can get some Brett Phillips games and some Terran Vavra games and maybe, like you said, given that Austin Hayes hasn't been hitting great recently, if he doesn't quite come around as quickly as they think, or if he doesn't get hot in September like he normally does, maybe he'll work into some of Austin Hayes' playing time as well. That's all just an assumption. I mean, we'll see how Stowers does when he comes up, and that'll kind of make things easier to figure out where he best fits into the lineup. But the point is, there is spots in the lineups, in the lineups coming up to play him, and that's a good thing. Jim on YouTube also, as we are live on Facebook and on YouTube, is bringing up the fact that Stowers so far this year has been a reverse blitz guy, which is a good point. He's hitting 326 against left-handed pitchers with a 982 OPS as compared to hitting just 238 against righties with an 838 OPS. So potentially, if you wanted to, you could start him in center field and have Cedric Mullins get the day off 
because Mullins has really struggled against lefties and try Kyle Stowers' hand against lefties. I am curious to see if this continues, however, because odds are I think that his numbers against lefties, against big league lefties, will probably come back down to earth. Stowers as well. And the numbers against righties might even improve because I think the quality of lefties in the minors probably isn't as high as the quality of lefties in the big leagues because those guys get pushed up through the system pretty quickly if they're good enough. So we'll see if that continues. But it is nice to know that Kyle Stowers can hit lefties pretty well and you have that option with him as well. You know, it's interesting, Tim, because we talked about, you mentioned there Gunnar Henderson maybe being used at first base. That's the story that Masson uh, Rock Kabako reported. I said Madison Rock. I'm thinking at Madison Rock is always his Twitter <laughs> right, handle. Right, right. But Rock Kabako reported a couple days ago on MassonSports.com is that Gunnar Henderson has been getting some reps at first base as well. And if you were to think about of the two guys, Kyle Stowers and Gunnar Henderson, which one of these guys you would think would probably get reps at first base before the other? I would think it would be Stowers. Yeah. <laughs> I would not think that shortstop and third baseman Gunnar Henderson would be getting games at first base. I would think, all right, an outfielder, especially a corner outfielder like Stowers, give him games at first and see if he could work his way into the big leagues that way, especially because he's closer to the big leagues and you have more of a need for a lefty first baseman. He hasn't played any games at first so far this year. He's played sporadically, very sporadically at first base in his minor league career, Kyle Stowers has. I wonder if the Orioles will try this. They've tried Terran Vavra working him out at first base, fielding ground balls at first base, but they haven't used him in a lineup yet at first base. Kyle Stowers is more of a prototypical first baseman than Terran Vavra. I wonder if Kyle Stowers will be used as a platoon for Ryan Mountcastle potentially because you go lefty-righty with Stowers and Mountcastle, and maybe we see Stowers get the same treatment where, like Vavra, doesn't get any minor league games at first base, really, to speak of. But all of a sudden, the Orioles say, hey, we need somebody to give Ryan Mountcastle a day off. You're a lefty. We think you can do it. Here's first base. Yeah, I I agree with you in the from the standpoint that he would make more sense at first base than Gunnar Henderson, just if you were picking between the two of them. I'm a little skeptical that at this point, given the amount of time left in the season, they'll work him in. It would have to be the type of thing that... He comes up, he's playing strictly in the outfield, he's doing well, almost like Vavra, right, where he came up, he was playing a number of positions, DH and occasionally, but he was maybe over exceeding expectations, and then they said, okay, he's comfortable, he's having a good start to his MLB career, now we can throw a little bit more on his plate and maybe say, hey, Taron, how about take some at first base? At that point, maybe if Stowers is doing well, you consider it, but I also think that if you're having Vavra do it, if you're having Gunnar Henderson, who might be up later, work out at first base some. At a certain point, you've kind of got that position covered. Tyler Nevin is still up right now. We'll see how long he stays up. But if anything, the roster is going to expand from here. And I think as it stands right now, he's still got a spot on the team. We'll see once it gets to maybe time for if Gunnar Henderson came up, that could change things. But you have guys right now that could fill that first base spot that I'm a little skeptical that maybe they would introduce it in the small time frame that they have here. But if they do do it, it, it would make sense because you're right. He's a corner outfielder and that would just give him a little bit more positional flexibility. And it's also important to note that first base is of all the positions, one of the easier ones to learn kind of on the fly. And maybe if they spent some time with him in you know, two, three weeks after he's doing well, kind of like they did with Taron Vavra, he could pick it up pretty quickly. Potentially. We'll see what Gunnar Henderson's development at first base looks like as well. I think that 
getting him those reps, Gunner, at first base in AAA Norfolk is just a play to help his versatility long-term. And I think next week, potentially on the podcast, we can dive more into that decision to give Gunnar Henderson some more games at first base because I do think Gunnar Henderson is still at least a few weeks away from getting a yes. call-up to the big leagues. I would agree with that. Uh, and, yeah, you know, Michael Elias has brought up several times the strikeout rate with Gunnar Henderson, and he hasn't maybe directly said it about Kyle Stowers, but I would think to answer the fans question that they're probably having of why has it taken so long for Stowers why has it taken so long for Henderson in the fans opinion I would guess that if Michael Elias was able to give an honest answer on that just to guess it would be because of the strikeout rate and he's a little bit more hesitant to bring up a guy that has a lot of swing and miss in their game not from a long-term standpoint I think he's okay that they have some swing and miss in their game it's just it's something that you might it takes maybe a little bit longer to get comfortable at the major league level when you have that in your game. Adley didn't have a lot of that, and he's proven that so far, but he did have a little bit of it even when he first came up. So the point is, if you're a good prospect and you have some swing and miss in your game, it's not uncommon to strike out a lot when you first get up here. Taron Vavra is the exception. Maybe that is what is potentially the last box for Gunnar Henderson to check here, although he's exceeding and he's doing great it feels like that's something that they're monitoring. And if he gets that down, maybe he'll get even closer to making a jump up to the big leagues. And people, I get the frustration when they hear that Kyle Stowers, they hear us say, or they hear the organization say that the strikeout rate is an issue because you look at Kyle Stowers' strikeout numbers and they're not ridiculous. He has 104 strikeouts compared to 44 walks this year. Which, yes, you put that in the big leagues right now, and that's pretty good for a power-hitting quarterback. He'd be one of the best on the team, probably, right? But the point is, he's doing it in AAA. Yes. I got some heat because I tweeted out his strikeout rate being an issue a couple weeks ago, and people were saying, if you put that on the Orioles right now, then he would be one of the better in the big leagues. It's not apples to apples. No, it's not. The fact is, those numbers are going to get worse when you go up a level, when you go up to Baltimore and you face big league pitching. They're not going to get better. So, yes, that would be great if he could be a two-to-one strikeout-to-walk guy and still give you 25, 30 homers a year. But we've seen how strikeouts can hurt a lot of big league outfielders on this team right now. Look at what Ryan Mountcastle and Austin Hayes are having trouble with, and it's the strikeouts. It's not drawing enough walks. It's not having good enough plate discipline. And yes, they've shown you in spurts over their young careers that they can be very good power hitters when they get a hold of the ball. And when they are locked in, they're seeing pitches well, they're drawing some walks. But you don't want that to be an issue on day one. You want to hopefully get that solved while they're in the minor leagues before they come up to the big leagues. Because if that continues to persist, it's only going to get worse. It's not going to get better once they jump up a level. Exactly. The... You can't compare the numbers from AAA no. to the major league right now. I think that's a very it's, good point. It's make. like saying, you know, Kyle Stowers has an 884 OPS in, in Norfolk, so you drop that right on the Orioles, and it would be one of the best. It would right. be the best on the team. Yeah, it would, but he's not doing that with the big leagues. So he's doing that in Norfolk. It's very different uh, to compare those. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does over these next few weeks, over this last six weeks of the season. Again, Tim, I think... We said this about D.L. Hall, and I was dead wrong about this with D.L. Hall. So maybe I'm dead wrong about this as well. But I said with D.L. Hall, odds are he's going to stick with the team for the last six weeks, and we're not going to see him get sent back down. 
But with Stowers, I think that as well. I don't think yeah. that he's going to get sent back down. And rosters are going to expand in a couple weeks at the beginning of September. They're not going to be as massive as they were in previous years where they were 30-plus guys. They're only going to add, I think, two roster yeah, spots. 26 from, to 28, I right. believe. Yeah. So that, that doesn't leave a whole lot of room for error. But I can't see him being a casualty of a roster crunch. Maybe if he really struggles and he's hitting below 100 or something like that, that the Orioles will send him back down. But I, I think that they're going to give him these six weeks to try to get his feet wet in the big leagues. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that because, I mean, when you add two players to the roster, just kind of doing the mental math, one of them is probably going to be D.L. Hall as a pitcher, but you can only go up one pitcher to 14. So then you still have one more position player at least, whether they use that as on an infielder is probably more likely than an outfielder given the situation they have in the outfield right now. But the point is, there's a room for him. He's going to play some. And even if he struggles, I don't see them sending him back down. I I can't really even think of who would come back up. Uh, right? I mean, I, I guess like fans might say Gunnar Henderson, but usually when I think about a move, I think, okay, an outfielder is going down, an outfielder is coming back up. Right. Use Neil Diaz maybe, but I just... I think this is a situation different from D.L. Hall, and I know we were, we were off on the D.L. Hall move, but... D.L. Hall moving to the pen is a little different than Kyle Stowers. It's not like he has to go back down and learn first base, then come back up. I, I don't see them doing that at this stage of the season. Let's talk about, real quickly, the other roster moves that the Orioles made as well. Uh, so, Richie Martin is the replacement for Taron Vavra, who, again, heads to the paternity list, so we assume that he will be right back with this team in a few days or, at the most, a week. Richie Martin getting the call over some of the other Orioles infield prospects like a Gunnar Henderson, I think makes sense simply because of the position that he plays and the fact that this is likely going to be a short-term replacement because they're not looking for somebody to replace Taron Vavra for the rest of the season. They're going to have to send Richie Martin back down, assuming everybody stays healthy and Vavra comes back soon. So I think Richie Martin, the fact that he can play second base, we saw him get some time at second base when he came up earlier in the year and Vavra is a second baseman by nature makes it an easier fit to have Richie Martin come up as opposed to Gunnar Henderson, who, let's say you call him up and to replace Taron Vavra. One, he can't play second base or the outfield. And two, he's probably going to have to be sent back down anyway when Vavra gets back. Yeah, and Richie Martin's been hitting well, too. So I think that one makes sense. If anything, it they're just... I mean, they're not going to bring up Gunnar right now, I don't think, like you were saying. I think that's still a couple weeks away. The Stowers one felt inevitable, and, and you predicted it right on the timeline. Richie Martin makes sense. He's older. He's been up here. He's succeeded at times. He also has played some outfield a little bit as well. So you're kind of getting some of what Taron Vavra was playing too when uh, when you're bringing down Vavra and bringing up Martin. So I think that one makes sense. And actually, Richie Martin, there was a stretch where he had the two-triple game earlier this year. He was really flashing some stuff. So I wouldn't sleep on the fact that just bringing up Richie Martin as well could elevate this offense, bring in another piece off the bench that has hit pretty well at times this year. And I do want to bring up the point, Paul, that the timing of this is really well-timed by Michael Elias and the Orioles because it feels like two and a half games back, things were starting to slip a little bit, and this series is very, very pivotal. I know we pretty much said that about every series recently, and that's the nature of being in a playoff chase and having a lot of divisional series, but... This is one where if you go out and you drop two of three at home, I guess one of them's in Williamsport, but you drop two of three to the Red Sox here and you slip further down the wild card standings, 
it almost feels like, oh, man, you, you may have squandered your chance to add some punch to the lineup when you really needed it. And just the way that they've lost a couple games because they haven't had run support recently, this was the time to make the roster moves. And I think it's exciting that they're doing it going into this big series. It is a critical series for the Orioles. And like you said, you don't want to let this snowball turn into an avalanche because things were not trending in a great direction. The 5-5 five and five in the last 10 games... A lot of that can be explained by the fact that they're facing a Blue Jays team that, frankly, is very good. I think the Blue Jays have underperformed this year, but they're incredibly talented. They have some very good pitchers. They kept the Orioles' bats at bay. But also, you don't want this to get worse. And you have an opportunity here to face a Red Sox team that has been scuffling. You don't want to come out of this series and think about what could have been if you didn't have, if you had Brett Phillips here instead of Kyle Stowers. So I think this is an opportunity for you to win some important games. And like you said, even if you don't, at least you have an, you went down swinging. Yes. At least you tried something new. And some people were saying in the chat, I would rather see Kyle Stowers take his lumps in the big leagues right. than see Brett Phillips you know, go through the same motions that we've seen, which is him struggling at the plate. Um, yeah. So, And then a, a couple other moves we saw. They were just minor moves, really, but the, the bullpen... Good to see Nick Vespi get that opportunity again. He has pitched pretty well, I think you could say, with some exceptions in the big leagues. A guy who's making the most out of not having incredible stuff, but he is very clearly bought into the Orioles system and their player development system and this pitching staff. Logan Gillespie gets sent back down. So some minor moves made around the edges there, and I think the next big move, Tim, is going to be Gunnar Henderson. Again, I think it's going to be a couple weeks, but I think of the Orioles' top prospects, I think he is the guy that is going to get the call next. And odds are, the the way things are trending for him in Norfolk, I think that he is going to get the call by season's end. That's just me speculating. No inside info there. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think two or three weeks ago, I would have maybe erred slightly on the side that he wasn't going to get the call. But based on what Michael Elias said to our Brendan Mortensen this week, saying... It was kind of GM speak where he didn't give away too much, but he basically said something to the effect of he's putting himself in position to be in conversations yes. to get the call soon. So as much maybe as he, possibly potentially right. <laughs> as much as he could say, Gunnar Henderson is being considered. He said that. So we know he's being considered. We know that. They played him at first base last night. I believe it was. They've started to work him out more there before games. That's a move that I think you bring up a good point, and we've talked about this a little bit. It doesn't, it's not necessarily just a short term move that benefits him long term as well. So I don't view that like some may have viewed it as, oh, that's absolutely a sign that he is closer to getting the call and they're doing that for this year. I view it as it could help them this year, but also they're just taking stock in what they have as a franchise right now and the fact that Jorge Mateo has been better at shortstop and maybe he's more of a long-term piece than initially thought, why not give him more positional flexibility? Now is the time to do it in first base as a position that he should be able to pick up pretty quickly given his defensive profile. So that move doesn't necessarily maybe scream that he's getting the call as much as others think, in my opinion, but it's another thing when you combine it with the fact that Michael Lass has talked about Gunnar Henderson checking boxes recently and that he's in the conversation that gives me more confidence that I would say right now, if I had to guess, within the next couple of weeks, we'll probably see Gunnar Henderson get the call. 
And that's really exciting because the flaw with this team has been the bench and has been the offensive run production and Kyle Stowers and Gunnar Henderson. They might struggle, but like we keep saying, you won't know until you know, and you won't know until you try. And they're trying, and they're going all in on the playoff push while also just giving these guys some opportunity to grow as players ahead of next year as well. Yeah, and look, the Orioles, if they wanted to go all in on the playoff push, if that was their primary concern, they would have bought at the deadline, but they didn't. Their primary concern is still developing these guys. And if they call up Kyle Stowers, or sorry, if they call up Gunnar Henderson, they did call up Kyle Stowers. If they have both these guys with the big league team, to me, that's a clear indication that they think it's the best thing for their development to be with the big league roster at the end of this year going into next year. And it potentially makes you a better club next year because you're not relying on rookies who are just getting their first taste of the big leagues to come out of the gate hot. You're going to need every single month and every single week of 2023 to make the playoffs. It's just going to be an uphill battle from start to finish in the American League East. Look, the Orioles are playing incredible baseball right now. They're fourth in the AL East. They're not even (laughs) sniffing the Yankees. Next year, you want to give yourself higher odds to make the playoffs. At this point next year on August 19th, you want to have a 75% chance or an 80% chance of making the playoffs, not a 45% chance. It's great what they've done so far, but it's still clearly the goal, and it is more important that they make the postseason next year and for the next five years after that than it is this year. I'm rooting for them to make the playoffs. I hope they make the playoffs, but it is more important that they squeeze every ounce of production out of their roster next year than it is this year. Yeah, and Brendan made the point on the last podcast how Mike Elias has never done anything that was a short-sighted, short-term move. Right. He's, he's very calculated. I don't consider these, if they bring up Henderson, and we know they're bringing up Sowers, I don't consider these short-sighted moves. D.L. Hall is interesting because you're moving him to a reliever. That's a little different because you're you're talking about a pitching prospect there. I guess that you could say is, is more because of monitoring the innings, but... I think this signifies a little bit that they're concerned about the playoffs and they're trying to make a push for the playoffs, but they're not doing it to the point that it's costing these guys long-term or anything. I think you could also make the case, you bring up Kyle Stowers, maybe he gets a couple ABs in a wild-card playoff series. Yeah, That'd be great for him. You know, Even if he's struggling, at the very least, he gets those reps in a big spot and that just helps him and grows him as a player. So... You can make a strong case that they want to bring them up to put them in this environment right now so that maybe next year when they're a playoff chase, they have more experience under their belt. Definitely. Well, we'll see whether Kyle Stowers fits into the Orioles' plans right now. As we do this live, He is. we've not yet seen a lineup, so we don't know if Kyle Stowers is going to be in that lineup. But we will find out over the next couple hours as the Orioles get ready to continue this homestand 630 is when pregame starts tonight with first pitch coming just after 7 o'clock, facing a Red Sox team that, frankly, the Orioles could use a few wins against as they look to get themselves back in the AL wildcard race. At Tim Leonard, Tim underscore Leonard 4. Yep, you got it. Tim's <laughs> handle. I am at Paul Mancano. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Thanks to myself for producing this podcast. Uh, <laughs> and uh, thanks to everybody for tuning in live. You can catch the, the podcast live on Facebook and on YouTube. You can also listen to it after the fact on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Please give us five stars. We'd really appreciate that. That'd be very nice. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. 